Praise God. Ezekiel chapter 37, if you've got your Bible, and of course we're in the middle of this series called Flourish, which just means uh, the Bible says that the word flourish or the definition, Webster's definition of flourish is to grow in a healthy or vigorous way as the result of a particularly favorable environment. Some Sundays I've been challenging you just to see the possibilities of flourish. God wants you to flourish in your home, in your life, in, uh, in your business, with your kids. God wants you in 2008. 15 to flourish I mean I think it's a possibility come on we've looked at a lot of scriptures a lot of verses that talk about that, that it's a possibility and then we've spent some Sundays looking at the procedures or how do we get there because if it happens because of a, a particularly favorable environment we've got to find out what the environment is I mean I know all the plants at Lowe's don't flourish no, you'll plant some and they'll do well and you'll plant others and not so well. And uh, the environment that you put them in depends upon whether or not they flourish. So we spent some Sundays just looking at uh, this environment. This morning, we're going to kind of marry the two. So if you've got your Bible, Ezekiel chapter 37, while you're turning there or typing that in, I'll read this verse to you in Job chapter 6 verse 25. It says, how forceful are right words. Isn't that a great verse? How forceful are right words. But he says, what does your arguing prove? So he says that there is a force in your words. Some translation says honest words. Or you could say the truth spoken. There is a force in those words. And then there's other words, uh, not so much, right? Some words, he says, they don't prove anything. They don't do any good to you or your life. They don't do any good to other people. But he says that there are some words that are forceful. That there's a force within those words. You could say some words that you speak actually they bring strength and life proverbs says that death and life are in the power of what you might know the tongue death boy death is such a strong word life is an equally strong word and he says death and life are in the power of your tongue what a force there is in right words Jesus said there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to tell you but I can't tell you right now but once the Holy Spirit comes he's gonna come and he's gonna tell you he's gonna say some things and one of the words there for the Holy Spirit for what he brings us is the word dunamis or that's the word where we get dynamite how many of y'all like dynamite come on if you're a man in here you like to blow stuff up you always buy more fireworks not just for the fourth we want to save them all the way up into august we need some firecrackers on the back porch noble that way whenever we want to go blow up ant beds we can Come on, we want this power that we have. And he says the Holy Spirit brings us that power. And there's things that Jesus wants to say, but you need the Holy Spirit to bring you those power, forceful words that can change your thoughts, can change your spirit, your inner man. I mean, I know the Word of God, you could feed on it. You eat those words and they change every fabric of your life. Even the part, so it changes the parts you can't see, but but even your, your, your natural body, we've been looking at that the word of God can change what you can see. It can change the direction and the trajectory of your life. It can change the direction of other people's lives. There are forceful words. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. 
forceful. Man, there's some power in those babies. And then there's other words. He says, oh, they don't matter a whole lot. He says, you're arguing it really doesn't do any good. How many of y'all found that to, do, to be true most of the time? How many ever argue with anybody? Well, you, well, you, and you can go round and round. Have you ever gone round and round a few times? And then what happens? It ends. What got accomplished? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. You probably slept on the couch. But besides that, there wasn't a whole bunch that came from it. But he says there's also this force or these words that can make a tremendous difference in your life as to whether or not you flourish or it's just eh, not so much but we don't want that not so much we're really moving towards the flourish right the that, that's what that's what we're wanting here in Ezekiel chapter 37 you're going to see uh, how we can go for and receive and get the flourish in a pretty horrible, deplorable situation. Uh, one way, that one reason that this came about here is I guess maybe two weeks ago or so, this whole banking thing, can I just share this with you real quick? It's been, it's been a long uh, road as far as getting uh, a, a bank uh, to, to, to work with us on building a church. Most banks, I've sat down with several of them, they want your church to be five years old or they want, they want you to prove five years of cash flow. I mean, I know we've been, only been going three. So option one is just stay here for another two. Even though there's good cash flow, and even though they say, listen, you've been paying three, $3,000 for, so for, for you to get a loan, it's only going to cost you about four. So we know that you can pay the note, but, but we, still, we still need five years of cash flow for you to be approved. Or they say, we need a bunch of people to co-sign. You got, he says, I need you to find a bunch of families in the church and co-sign the loan. Or they say, or, or, or we need a, a, a 200000 cash you got 200K. I say, I don't have that. And uh, I, I can't turn back time like share. And I can't move time forward that two years. So, that, so this, that's going to be proved difficult. So we've run into a lot of obstacles when it came to this last hurdle. And, uh, but I found this guy and uh, you know, felt like, man, this guy here, he's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. This man right here, man, I heard about him. I said, that's, that's, my, that's my kind of man right there. Let me meet with him. So I kind of hung out with him, spent a little time with him, and felt like uh, th this is the guy that we're going we're gonna to go forward with this, this next time. The next, this is my next banker that I'm going to talk to about this whole situation. So, so I, I, I sit down with him, hang out with him, and uh, he seems positive. Yeah, seems, seems positive. So I give him a whole bunch of paperwork. I mean, just a bunch of emails, all these applications, all this paperwork. And uh, he says, you know, I've got to take this before a, a loan approval committee. Says there'll be a bunch of guys in ties. And uh, they're going to sign off, or they're going to shoot you down, or they're going to uh, they're going to they're going to say that, that that you can you can have the loan. And uh, but but he told me he says I'll be honest with you. He says I've looked at this every which way that I possibly could look at it. And he says you got a lot of positives, but he says some of the things that they're looking for you just don't have uh, the length yet, the time. You don't you don't have you don't have that. And uh, he says I've looked at it a whole bunch, but I don't know that this is going to work. Have you ever had to let the, the wind uh, out of your sails? Usually a lady will do it to you. Right? You muster up the courage to cross the gym. 
Going to ask her to dance, Nova. You get over there and she says what? No. Oh, man. I walked all the way across the gym floor to hear no. Goodness gracious. So he kind of let the wind out of, of, of my sails. But I have this hanging in my office. I, I, I bought this. This, this is pretty cool, and I don't want to waste a lot of time uh, doing this, but, but there, there's this artist that he sits on the back row of, of preachers while they're preaching, and he draws their sermons. And I found out about this guy, and I thought, man, that's cool. So like a year and a half ago, uh, I bought this, uh, and you can see the middle of his sketch pad, and you can see where uh, the guy that was preaching, he's preaching on Ezekiel chapter 37, and the artist is sitting on the back row just drawing what the guy's preaching about. And I thought that that was, that that was cool. So, so I, I, I bought this thing, and you can see my, my nice framing. I framed it out in blue painter's tape. And I, hang it, I hung it on the wall in my office. Because I was just being lazy. I, I didn't want to go buy a frame yet. So I said, oh, I'll just, just tape it to the wall. So some of you probably been in my office and thought, that's tacky. I apologize. Uh, so I taped it up there. I've had it hanging up there for probably a year and a half. I've walked by it hundreds of times, literally, over the past uh, year and a half. And uh, whenever I first opened it and hung it up, I thought it was really cool. But for the past couple of years, I really haven't thought anything about it. But over the course of the past week of uh, dealing with what this guy's telling me about whether or not we're going to be able to go forward here, I just found myself one day just kind of standing there in the doorway of my office, just kind of staring at it. Just staring at this photo and uh, it led me to uh, getting out my Bible. I'm going to know sometimes the Lord leads you different ways. And uh, it, it led me to getting out Ezekiel chapter 37 and just reading it in my quiet time all by myself. And then it led me to, I told Elizabeth, I said, I said come in here, uh, we need to read Ezekiel 37. And we got busy. Have you ever got busy before? So we didn't do it. She's fooling with the kids. So like the next day, I said, come in here. We need to read Ezekiel chapter 37 together. Uh, I, I feel like we need, we need uh, to read this concerning the church. So finally, I guess the second or the third day uh, happened, and we actually uh, sat on the floor of our bedroom and read Ezekiel uh, 37. And uh, I'm going to read it, and then I'll kind of finish the story here. But Ezekiel, the Lord, has brought him to a valley full of dry bones. Lifeless bones. The bugs had done their work. The worms had done their work. The vultures had done their work. The sun had done its work. And now all that's left here is just a pile of bones. And that's where we'll pick up here in the 37th uh, chapter of Ezekiel, verse number 1. I'm reading from the New Living this morning. It says, the Lord took hold of me. How many of the Lord's ever took hold of you before? Yeah, the Lord took hold of me. And he says, and I was carried away by the Spirit to a valley filled with bones. And he led me, says it again, he led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. And they were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out. Nothing to them. And then he asked me, he says, Son of man or Ezekiel, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I, rep I replied, you alone know the answer to that. What's he saying there? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many ever, the Lord's ever asked you something. And I bet he thought about it. He's like, man, if 
I say yes, don't know the outcome there. If I say no, could make him mad. Don't know what to say there. So he gives a, a, a safe answer. He says, only you know, Lord. I love that. I don't have a clue. But you know, Lord. So he's kind of, yes, Lord. You know everything. So a good safe answer there. Verse number four, he says, and he said to me, then speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to what? The word of the Lord. So Ezekiel, the Lord, who's coaching him here? The spirit of God is coaching Ezekiel on what to do. Let me know the Lord will tell you what to do. You know, as I'm standing in my doorway looking at this picture, wondering what to do. What, 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 what do I do here? Have you ever stood in any place and you thought, exactly what do I do here? Listen, the Bible's a lamp unto your feet and it's a light unto your path. And the Holy Spirit came to lead and guide and direct you. And if you'll listen to him, he'll, he'll lead you into all truth. Jesus is the spirit of truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus is. So God is telling him here, he says, I want you to speak a prophetic message. What's the word? What's prophetic message there? Prophetic just means in the Old Testament there was a prophet. And in the Old Testament, the prophet would stand up and he would say, Thus saith the Lord, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. Out in the future, the prophet would stand up and he would speak and he would say, This is how it's going to happen by the Spirit of God. That's the way this is going to happen. So a prophetic message speaks to the future, right? Not at the bones that are right there, because if you look at the bones, Ezekiel said they're completely dry. There's no way that this thing could happen naturally. But if you speak prophetically, he says, I'm speaking to where I want it to be, not where it is now. And he, and prophetic speaks to the future, but it also speaks to uh, the, the foundation or the basic parts of it here. So he says, I want you to speak a prophetic message to these bones. And he says, I want you to say, dry bones hear the word of the Lord this is what the Lord says I look I am I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again I will put flesh and muscle on you and I will cover you with skin I will put breath into you and you will come to life I like there's no possibilities in there don't you like that He's not saying, well, maybe. No, God tells him, he says, no, you need to speak to this thing and say what's going to happen. And he says, and then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse number seven, this is where his part is. So he says, so I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I, what? As I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. I don't think that was kind of creepy. It'd be kind of weird, man. He says, all of a sudden, clickety-clack, all these bones start, start hitting together on each other. And he says, and the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then as I watched, muscle and flesh formed over the bones and skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Wasn't finished yet. 
So he said to me, he tells him again, he says, now speak another, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I, what? There it is again. He says, so I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and they stood up on their feet as a great army. I mean, I wish you were there. Oh, I wish I can't. Well, I'm going to go to the, the, the heavenly librarian and ask for this VHS. Say, so can you pull me the VHS for the vision that Ezekiel had? If you could just pop that out for me, I'd love to watch. All of a sudden, as he, he's speaking here to a hopeless situation. And God, it's fascinating to me that God brings him to a valley of dry bones. Now, you always hear people tell you that God has something for you, has a plan for you, and it's going to be good. And we like to think that whenever God moves us or he leads us, that he's going to bring us up on a mountain or he's going to bring us up to this great, wonderful place and that we're going we're gonna to change everything and it's going to be great and wonderful. And yet here, the Spirit of God brings us not up to a mountain brings him to a low place and there's not a bunch of angelic beings and and these celestial beings flying around no Ezekiel is standing in a valley of death a valley of dry bones not not all together where you or I would want the Lord to bring us but I want you to know that God will bring you to a place that seems hopeless because he wants to partner with you He'll bring you to a place like this so that by His Spirit, you working with Him can bring a change. How many of y'all know that God could have done this without Ezekiel's help? How many of y'all know God could have showed up and just showed Ezekiel an army and said, Hey, look what I did for you. Hey, I got this army here for you. They were dead, but I brought them all back to life. And now they're this great army and they're going to go out all over the earth. It's going to be the nation of Israel and it's going to be wonderful. But I mean, I know God brings you into situations sometimes that look hopeless. So because he wants you to work with him. He says, hey, 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 Ezekiel, do, do you do you believe that it's possible for these bones to live again? And he's waiting for a response. And, and even though his, his response wasn't the most enthusiastic, there was enough there for God to say, I can work with this. And if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, then this thing, this situation, th it can turn around. It can change. So I want you to know God has a place for you. In your worship, God says, God, God has, he wants to bring you to a place. Is it always going to be this wonderful Pixie dust and angels. Maybe not. It may be a valley of dry bones. I had a friend of mine that, that worked in the oil industry. And he was, in, he was going through Bible school with me. And I was kind of discipling him. And he wanted to get out of the oil field. Because he says, man, on this rig, he says, he, says that, he says there's pornography 24 hours a day on the televisions there. You, you, can't, you can't eat lunch everywhere. He says there's everybody's on drugs. He says, that, he says it's just a really bad environment. I'm newly saved. I've only been you know, saved or born again for like a year. I'm really wanting to do the will of God for my life. And he says out there it's just a hopeless situation. So I'm going to quit there and I'm going to go find something else. And I said, you know, Damien. 
man, if you leave there, you're the only light of the gospel out there. If you leave that rig, then there's no light. There's nothing but bones and there's death and it's hopeless. So for you to say that the way for me is to get out of this and go to an easy place, I said, I'm not sure that's, that's what you're supposed to do. So long story later, you know, two, uh, two years go by, three years go by. He has the best rig. He's, gotten, he's worked with them and he didn't just go out there like preaching to them, beating them in the head. No, they saw his life. They saw his example. They saw the life that was in him. And one by one, he totally changed the whole atmosphere of that rig and the company men came out there and were trying to promote him and getting him to leave and to do all this stuff because he had low turnover there was no accidents they started praying before uh, they would go out to work and you're talking about people that a pretty rough crowd right do you have maybe you don't know pretty pretty rough type of crowd and yeah and it didn't happen overnight but he just stood in the valley of those bones And just prophesied to those bones. Just spoke and stuck in there. And over a process of time, that army started to stand up. Flesh started coming over. How many of you know it's a process? How many of you know sometimes we quit too soon? We see a little rattling and we're like, yes, I did it. Hold on, Chancho. Barely got a skeleton. You're missing three ribs. Just hold on. But if you stick with it, those bones of that foundation comes together. God wants to use you. God wants to partner with you. I mean, I remember whenever God created Adam and Eve. He said, I've given you the garden. I've given you all this. He says, now I want you to be fruitful and multiply and subdue it. Subdue the earth. Name all the animals. He says, I've made you the crown of creation. He says, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, uh, the fish of the seas, they're under you. And he says, I want you to take the earth and I want you to subdue it. Same thing he told Noah. Noah gets off the boat. He says, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. He says, I want you to use your God-given authority to, to change your surroundings, change things that are around you. So back to my little uh, story with my, my picture here. I told my wife, I said, I think we need to, we need to read this. So, so, so we got together and uh, sitting on the floor. And I got about halfway through the passage. And uh, Elizabeth... Uh, she got up and she says, uh, where, where's a set of plans at? This is plans for the building. They're sitting out, right out there. So I've got several, several sets. So I said, there's a set, you know, at the back door. Go get a set. So she brings the, she brings the set in there and, and puts them out uh, in front of us while we're sitting on the carpet there. And I, I felt impressed to get my kids. So I said, Noble Nansley, uh, get your butt in here. They didn't want to. But they were probably, I think maybe they were watching Yo Gabba Gabba or something. Get your butt in here. What for? Oh, just come on. Come on in here. So we've got, we got, we got to talk to these bones. So there's just paper here. No life in it. No spirit in it. It's 12 pages of nothing in the natural. Got a lot of people saying that it won't work. A lot of people saying that it's going to be difficult. A lot of this, a lot of that. But God didn't ask Ezekiel what's everybody else saying. I mean, I know you can't all the time go ask everybody else what they're saying because the problem is they'll tell you. 
And then it just throws you all out of whack. But God didn't say, hey, Ezekiel, why don't you get a committee together? And why don't you do this? And why don't you ask your mother-in-law? Why don't you do this? No, God spoke directly to Ezekiel. He says, what do you say? Is it possible for these bones to live even though you know they're really dry? There's no life in them. It's going to be, it, it looks like the odds are against you. So we just got there and just spent 10 or 15 minutes talking to this paper. If you would have saw me, you probably thought that's strange. But I had my little kids and me and myself, my wife, and we just began to call upon the four winds of the Holy Spirit. And we just began to prophesy and speak not what we saw, but what we did see. And we saw people walking in and people walking out. We saw the, the foundation or the bones going up. And we saw the Spirit of God coming in there and moving and working. And, and, and in our mind and in our intellect and in our faith and with our words, we began to just build and construct. Uh, these bones all by ourselves. Nobody in there. No preachers. There was nobody on an organ. No, there's no organ. There's no hankies, no tambourines. And then, you know, whenever you start out, you kind of don't feel very spiritual, right? You kind of feel like, but I've done it enough over the years to know that that's the most spiritual thing maybe that I've done in a month or two months or six months or a year, which is taking God at his word. He's saying, hey, you're looking at this for a reason. Why don't you study on it for a few days, three days, four days, five days. Now you've got some bad news that just came down the line. Don't look like this thing is going to happen. Why don't you take a culmination of 14 days of events and, and do what, I've, what, what, I, what, what you know that I've given you to do and, and let's just talk or speak to this thing. Well, long story short, you know, a couple of days went by with seemingly no results. I mean, have you ever been there before? Man, there's no, no resorts. But then guess what happened? You can pretty much predict it here. Who called? The banker called. The banker called. He says, I don't know how. But he says, it looks like they approved your loan. That's what the committee said. Now, so, so he says, he says, uh, he says they, 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 they approved it. But, but now, and this is, this is the next part, so, so, but we're not there yet. How many of y'all know uh, that, that there's just a rattling in the bones? At any time, Ezekiel could have said, well, that's it, and just kind of pulled back on it and, and, and went on auto, autopilot. But, but there's just a rattling there because he says, he says, now you have some more hurdles that you have to jump. He says, you'll have to take your bids. You have to submit your bids. We have to approve this and we have to go that. And we have to appraise the plans and make sure that they're going to come back at least that value or more than the bids that are coming through. So he said, there's still a couple of hurdles that you have to go through. But he says, he says, it, 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 he says from their perspective, you are approved for this amount of money. When he told me that, I, about, I collapsed, actually collapsed. And I don't know that I've ever really collapsed. But standing by my little fountain out in the front yard, I go, oh. <laughs> I had to catch myself. I was standing there. I was like, oh, I've been dealing with this for six months. Oh, my God. Oh, and I just sat there for a minute. I just collapsed. And then I giggled, and then I got up. <laughs> oh. What, what's the whole point? Listen, the whole point is, is that there's always, and, and this, is, this is us in a church and something that's going on, and it, and it may not have anything to do with you, but there are a bones that you'll have to speak to. 
There'll be situations of impossibility that, that other people will say, I don't know how this is going to work, uh, but, but it can. And for you, it may be a teenager or, or it may be a boss or it may be a job. But if you want to flourish in 2015, there'll have to be some part of you that says, listen, I'm not just in a valley full of bones. I'm in the valley of an army. And God put me in this valley, not to just look at the bones, but to change that whole environment. And it won't come without adversity. My, uh, my uh, gr- growing up as a teenager, I made a, I made a lot of uh, poor decisions. Have you ever made poor decisions? Yeah. Welcome to my club. In 1995, you can be a charter member in my club. Bad teenage decisions. So I made some bad teenage decisions. And uh, uh, my dad was not saved at the time. But my mother was. So my dad would always speak at the part of me that you could see. In other words, my dad would look at the outside of me. And he was always dealing with the outside He's always speaking to the outside of me. He's speaking to these ears. He's speaking to these eyes. And he's speaking to the part of me that that you can see. And he says, you did this and you did that. And uh, I caught you doing this. My dad was famous. Uh, He tapped my phones in high school. Everybody looked up now. Some of y'all are half asleep. You're like, God, your dad's crazy. Yeah, he tapped my phones for, for months. And I didn't even know it. And I'd be scheming. But he kept catching my schemes. He kept finding out what I was going to do. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to help build a float at, the, at so-and-so's house for homecoming. Or that's what my daddy thinks. And then I would say what I was really going to do. But he's listening in. And, and one day he brought out a, a Ziploc bag full of all these little recordings uh, from him recording me. Oh, I'm so mad. And he hired a private investigator to follow me around. And he called the chief of police, Eddie Beckham. He was head of the narcotics division. And he said, Kevin's truck is in my name. So anytime you see that truck, pull it over. So I would just be riding down the road. And these people would pull me over. They would sit in Kroger while I'm pushing buggies. And they would watch me in Kroger. Because he had tapped my phone. Turkey. Oh, what are you doing? Gosh, no other parents are doing this. You're psycho. You're crazy. Nobody has to put up with this, what I'm having to put up with. And he's constantly, he's dealing with the outside of me. He wasn't saved, wasn't born again. My mom was constantly trying to get to the bones. She's trying to get to the part that you can't see. Because she knew if I could get to the framework, if I could get to the heart of the matter. Jesus said we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but we wrestle against every principality and power and spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, the, the, the part of me that you couldn't see, that's where she would hone in. And I'm glad that I had both and don't resent any of it. You know, now I think it's comical. And uh, he gave me some good tips uh, for my own kids one day. Good pointers. So I had both. 
but there was a framework of my life that didn't have the, 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 the structure of it. If I took all of your bones out of your body, there would be no structure, no frame there. And the first thing he told Ezekiel to speak to, he says, these bones have got to get together. So a prophetic word is a word that speaks to the future, but it also speaks beyond all of the natural things. And it speaks, it gets to the heart or the foundation of the problem. So I want to encourage you that as whatever comes up, whether it's this year or the next 20 years, that the Lord, he'll bring you across things and he'll say, now this is your moment. What are you going to say about this? And I'll close in your, in your, in your worship guide there. There's a lot of other examples that I could give you and I'll let you study those on your own time. But just to give you a, a few, how I many I know that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into a wilderness to be tempted. Very strange that God would lead Jesus to a place where he knew that he would be tempted. But God brought him to that place so that the, 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 the stage could be set. Because the devil comes in and he says, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, what did he speak? He spoke the word of God. He said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then the, the devil takes him up to a high place. He says, Throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. He told him again, he says, it is written, you shouldn't do this. Don't tempt the Lord thy God. He brought him to another place and he says, all the kingdoms of the earth I'll give you if you'll bow down. The third time Jesus says, it is written. What's he doing? The same thing Ezekiel, he's taking the word of God and he's defeating the enemy. If you look at David, David comes out and Goliath says, send out your best person to me and I'll kill him. And out comes a shepherd boy and the shepherd boy, he's standing in there and, and Goliath says am I a dog that you sent this little peon out to me and, and, and David looks at Goliath and he says this day the Lord's delivered you into my hand I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed you to the birds I like that shepherd boy Against all odds, he's standing in a valley, the Bible says, where death is imminent. And yet what he says is it's just not going to work. Paul and Silas are in stocks. The Bible says that their blacks have been beaten and they're bloody. And in stocks, if you don't know what that is, their hands and their feet are together. A big piece of wood comes over their stocks and they would beat you on your back while you're locked in stocks. But the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16, they lifted up their voice unto God. And all of a sudden the bones, the foundations of that prison begin to shake and the, the doors opened up. All of these people in, in, in really bad, lifeless, dead circumstances and situations. And we could, we could go on. What about Mary? The angel comes to Mary and says, hey Mary, you're going to have a baby. Oh really? I've never been with a man before. How is that going to work? He says, the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, going to overshadow you, and you're going to give birth to the most high. What does her say? What, what's her response? According to your word, be it unto me. There's no life in here. Never been with a man. Nevertheless, according to your word, be it unto me. Listen, we could go on and on about people who standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones and yet they didn't respond just out of what they saw. They responded with a prophetic message that said, I believe it'll be the way God said that it will be for you and I to flourish in 2015. We have to line up our words with his words. Say, I believe, 
I believe just the way he said that it'll be, that's the way that it'll be for me. Let's pray together this morning. I've got